Okay. Hello there. This is Eric Sinrod and Dwayne Morris. I'm joined by Jonathan Armstrong, my colleague at Quartery. Uh, this is your weekly Tech Law 10. I know we're approaching 190. We're getting close, and very soon we'll have our 200th uh, Tech Law 10. Maybe we'll celebrate in a special way when we get there. In any event, uh, I'm going to turn this over to Jonathan in a second. Jonathan, you're a very stealth, sneaky guy, and what can you tell us about the UK recently passing legislation uh, having to do with snoopers? Yeah, that's right, Eric. The so-called uh, IP bill, um, I know it's misleading because it's nothing to do with intellectual property, has now become law. Its proper name is the Investigatory Powers Act 2016. Some people call it the Snoopers Charter. And it gives extended powers to the security services and others to do various things around communications data. And I'm going to explain briefly what it does do and what it doesn't do. The first thing to say is it isn't as revolutionary as some people have said. Some of these powers to demand information from uh, uh, various organizations by the security services, law enforcement, etc., have existed for a very long time. Back in the olden days, the bobby on the beat would sometimes demand information. Some of this was consolidated by uh, various pieces of legislation. But most recently, the security services were given powers in something called the, uh, the DRIPA, the Data Retention and Investigatory Powers Act, 2014. Now, DRIPA is a piece of legislation that's had some difficulty. It was legislation that had what's called a sunset clause, so it expires on the 31st of December 2016, hence the haste for Theresa May's government to pass the IP Act instead. And in addition, uh, the uh, DRIPA was subject to a challenge in the European court, the same court that looked at the Schrems case, for example. The challenge was brought by David Davis and Tom Watson, two MPs. David Davis pulled out of the action to become the minister for Brexit, somewhat unusually given his track record of having used a European court. But that's maybe a story for another day. But in short, it's a very complicated piece of legislation. It's 304 pages long in its current uh, guise with 176 sections. Bits of it will become law in January 2017 because of this sunset for Dripper. Bits of it will come in uh, over time. And, um, but, but one of the, uh, I, I guess there are four main provisions and then, if we've got time, I'll maybe outline a real concern that I have about it. So, really, the Act does four things. First of all, it permits bulk interception of the type uh, that's been in the news with the Snowden allegations and the uh, Schrems case. Secondly, it permits the bulk acquisition of communications data. So, most of these provisions uh, are on uh, communication service providers, so people like ISPs, telcos, who have to store logs of activity 
for 12 months and then make them available if they get a request for people to, uh, for, for uh, authorities to look at that data. It allows what's called bulk equipment interference, a posh word, I think, for hacking and allowing uh, computers and phones to be bugged. And it places a new legal obligation on some, but not all companies, again, there's jurisdictional provisions, to help law enforcement, the security services and others to bypass any encryption. And it also has anti-tipping off provisions. So if you're served with a notice, there's a limit to who you can tell about, uh, about it. These um, connection logs can be used in various ways by various authorities and I'm over-summarizing. There are concerns about, in two particular areas, partly in that privilege has been undermined, but not uh, to the extent originally proposed in the bill, and secondly, that the powers of journalists can be fettered. My real concern, though, is about the wide nature of bodies who can use powers under the IP Act and some of those have a track record of not using their powers widely. For example, I think we've mentioned in a podcast earlier that I was threatened by HMRC, our equivalent of the IRS, because one of my clients asked for the authority by which they were demanding data, and they decided that, uh, as the lawyer, I was an obstruction and wasn't entitled to ask questions about their lawful authority, which, uh, if it's true, and I don't believe it is, is the portent of a very, very sad world where a, uh, a law, a you know, an authority set up by law can say it doesn't have to prove its lawful existence or that what it is doing is lawful and that anybody who asks them whether it's lawful or not is, uh, in their view, putting themselves liable to arrest. So my concern is that some... Uh, what we in English would call tin pot authorities who haven't been seen to respect the law have very wide-ranging powers under the IP Act. And as well as law enforcement and the police, these uh, powers in various uh, degrees are available to, and I'll take a deep breath and list some of them, HMRC, the Department of Health, the Food Standards Agency, the Gambling Commission, the Department for Work and Pensions, the Department of Transport, local authorities, the Competition and Markets Authority, the Financial Conduct Authority of particular relevance in some of these banking cases, LIBOR, etc., the Gang Masters and Labour Abuse Authority, which might be relevant to the UK's new modern slavery powers, the Health and Safety Executive, the Information Commissioner's Office, so for data protection violations, um, uh, uh, data breaches, for example, they would have new powers, and the serious fraud office when looking at bribery cases, for example. It's important to know that not all of these bodies are given the same powers, but I think there are still uh, too wide a list of organizations. And my worry is, as I've said, that lazy officials can use the law to try and get other people to do their investigations for them. That's certainly my experience under the existing law, where I've had police officers, for example, uh, uh, who are just regular police officers, sign a form where it says this form must be signed by an officer of a certain rank, 
and they still sign it, despite the fact they don't hold that rank, and then try and bully people into complying, despite the fact they didn't make a lawful request in the first place. So my worry is that the new legislation is very wide-ranging, very complex for organisations to get their head around. And my other worry is that the track record of government and those government agencies of training their officials in when and how they can make these requests isn't good. My hope is that the government will use the time between now and the 1st of January to make sure that they know that these uh, powers must only be used proportionately, because if they're not, we lose faith in the system. The underlying potential of this is to use these powers when there's very grave harm, terrorist attacks, paedophiles, this sort of thing. And by using them for more trivial cases, like whether somebody has used the wrong bin for their refuse, we undermine the whole system. So my hope, I hope it's not a vain hope, is that, uh, is that the government, having got this legislation in, will now educate those who have these powers on their proper use. Squ open square brackets, rant over, close square brackets, over to you, Eric. <laughs> well, we're always concerned about a slippery slope. I mean, this might be intended for, you know, serious matters like terrorist attacks, but once there's the enabling, uh, unfortunately, uh, the powers potentially can be used in more trivial matters, as you say. Um, you know, we know there's 304 pages to this legislation, 176 sections. I know you have every single word memorized, so I'm going <laughs> to ask you about section uh, 39 that shows up on page 78 and see if you can recite <laughs> it to this chapter and verse. But uh, this is, but, but more seriously, this is wide-ranging. As you say, it is complex. Um, and you have hopes, we have concerns. If I were to ask you, I mean, where do you think this will be, say, six months from now, a year from now, beyond? Do you have any predictions? I know you have concerns and hopes, but what are your actual predictions? If you I can. think it will, unfortunately, be used very uh, extensively. Uh, there are a couple of challenges. There's obviously this European court challenge, which continues with Tom Watson as the plaintiff. That might slow it down. There's also a petition, which last time I looked had about 130,000 signatures, and that uh, will trigger a, another parliamentary debate. I'm not sure that that will slow the legislation down, given that you know, it has the Prime Minister's backing. I would hope, and again this may be a vain hope, that the new powers will be used less than the existing powers, I mean, I think we're all, we were all surprised when we saw how many authorizations under DRIPR had been made, 517,236 authorizations in 2014 uh, of DRIPR. So, you know, more than 500,000 authorizations for a, a nation that only holds about 60 million people. Mm -hmm. That seems to me to be, uh, you know what you might call in legal terms prima facie evidence, at least, of overuse of these very severe powers. And, and, and my, uh, my experience is that um, under um, you know, similar uh, earlier powers, the uh, authorities ought to prove necessity. So 
it is necessary for us to have this data. And necessary was a word that was often ignored. So I think we'll still be bringing in bits of the legislation, even in six months' time. I think it's got a long journey. You know, technically, there are a number of challenges, uh, both to the storage, but also, um, you know, whether the whole intent of the act will be circumvented, for example, by people using VPN uh, and, and, and masking-type applications. And the difficulty yeah. is, of course, is that if you make, uh, you know, these masking applications more common, then their use, uh, A, it, it's harder to get at the underlying data, and B, if their use is more common, then it's harder to spot uh, nefarious activity. So we might literally drive a lot of this activity from legitimate and non-legitimate users underground, and that would be the opposite of the act's intention. So I, I think there are a number of difficulties with the legislation, and it will be a wait and see. One final point, of course, is that this doesn't make Brexit any easier. You'll remember that I interviewed Max Schrems a few weeks ago, uh, yeah. and I think his view was that if the UK enacts this legislation, then they will struggle to get what's called an adequacy finding from the European Commission, which might mean that the UK is in the same boat as the US, where we have to have a sort of UK privacy shield rather than a, uh, an all-embracing system of data transfer between the UK and the smaller EU. Um, that's obviously a very wide-ranging debate, particularly in light of the uh, it Italian elections this week, for example, which uh, again right. will cause a revisitation of, uh, of how the European Union looks and the powers it has, etc., etc., so a big, big, wider debate there, and that's obviously for 2019 rather than 2017 when this legislation will come in. Yeah, and just to round this out, and I don't know if this is directly on point, but I'm reminded a little bit, and I don't know if you are, of uh, the Patriot Act that was adopted here in the yeah. United States shortly after, unfortunately, the terrible attacks of 9-11. Uh, but right in the wake of 9-11, of course, the paramount concern here was terrorism, and there's always, you know, the sliding scale. Are you wanting to have increased security and government surveillance on the one hand, but as you do that, you lessen civil liberties. And where are you on the balance? And we went one way right after 9-11. The chief concern was terrorism. But then over time, uh, civil liberties activists became very upset with mass surveillance by the government. And some believe that that continues on relatively unabated now 15 years post 9/11. Uh, uh, so, you know, this, yeah, these types of these types of legislation can have far-ranging impacts that can last a long time. Yes, exactly. And and some would say that uh, this type of legislation, if there is a track record of it uh, either stopping or investigating terrorism, if that case is proven, is um, is acceptable. But I question whether using this legislation is ever acceptable to find mm -hmm. out whether somebody's dropped, you know, aluminium 
into a non-aluminium refuse bin. Um, you know, we these are, you know, to use a sort of an inappropriate weaponry analogy, this is a sort of, you know, a, a, a guided missile piece of legislation, and we should yeah. be using it for the for the proper targets rather than using it to to carpet bomb any type of bad behavior. Now, I will say one thing. Uh, much of our language, of course, here in the United States, originated on your side of the pond, so you get rights to fair pronunciation. But aluminum was invented in the United States, so you have to say aluminum, not aluminium, I insist. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I believe we've gone past our, our 10 of the tech law. 10, as I said, we're, we're inching up ever so quickly to, I guess, inching quickly. Maybe we're galloping quickly toward podcast 200. So thank you for being along for the ride. We're just going to keep on going here because we have far-reaching and wide impacts uh, in our podcast. So this is Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. You can reach me at my email, ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, the usual social media outlets. I'll turn it over to Jonathan for his traditional closing. Thanks, Eric. And uh, whether it's uh, aluminum or aluminum, that's at least another podcast in the can. See what I did there. Um, and we do thank you. We do thank you for listening. There's no need to uh, snoop on our LinkedIn messages. They're available for you to see in the Tech Law TED group. Uh, all that remains is to encourage you to think of a topic for our 200th anniversary podcast, which, as Eric said, is approaching. And uh, happy uh, St. Nicholas if you're celebrating that and we'll speak again to you soon take care cheers aluminum <laughs>